last weeks besides the phrase social distancing, which if I hear that proclaimed once more, I may actually throw up. <clears throat> I don't like that term. Physical distancing uh, might be a better term for it. We're keeping our distance. But the other term, the other word that I've heard and you've probably heard is essential. What is an essential business? It's sad that uh, churches and uh, schools are considered non-essentials these days, and yet uh, I'm going to say something that might get me in a little trouble, but the world's largest candy store is considered essential. But there is something for us to remember about that word essential because it is what at the core is most important. And today in our first reading we have the apostles saying it's essential for us to pray and to proclaim the word of God. So much so that while it's important that the widows are taken care of, it's not essential for us to take care of the widows. So therefore, choose seven men among yourselves and present them to us that they may serve. See, they understood what was essential, what their job, essential job was. And maybe during these last six weeks and the next two weeks, Maybe that's time for us to remember what is most essential to us. What is our task as Catholics? What is our role? What essential thing do we provide to society? I think so often we fall into the temptation, especially priests and bishops perhaps, I might get in a little trouble for this too, of thinking that we are just a social club or a community service that we've reduced our task to as important as it is to feeding the hungry and caring for the sick instead of what it really is to proclaim Jesus Christ and I think it comes from a misunderstanding and maybe maybe you're like me and I don't advise anyone to do this but if you read certain books like Dan Brown's The Da Vinci Code and certain other other books of that ilk, you'll find the claim that Jesus never claimed he was God. The scriptures never say that Jesus was God. It's it's rather imposed on the scriptures some four centuries later, and, and Dan Brown has a theory that it was Constantine. It doesn't hold water, especially when you read today's gospel passage. There's something radical about Jesus' words. And that radicalness is easily overlooked if we fail to pay attention. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life. These are radical words. And we live in a world that, uh, maybe you've heard this too, and I I heard it a few weeks ago, and every time I hear it, it makes me feel a little bit more sick than hearing the word uh, social distancing. And that's that all religions are on a wheel. And the closer we are, like uh, on, on the spokes getting closer to the center, the closer we get to each other. Maybe, maybe not, but that's not our view of Christianity. That we're just one way, one means. Jesus says he is the way. It's definitive. He's not a way, one way among millions, trillions, He's the way. And the apostles ask, well, how can, we, how can we know the way? And Jesus, I am the way. If you want to come to the Father, you have to come through me. I am the way. 
the way, the only way. That even in Judaism, the way they are saved is through Jesus Christ, through his sacrificial death and glorious resurrection. That's the way. There is no other way. And yes, it's true, and the church teaches this, that one may be saved even without an explicit faith in Jesus Christ, but the church also says, if you are saved, if they are saved, they're saved because of Jesus Christ. There is no salvation outside the church. That doesn't mean, and we have that at the turn of the century, of the last century, that doesn't mean that the only way to salvation is in the church, that you have to be a full-blooded member and fully practicing member. But I don't want to take that risk, do you? If we know Jesus Christ, that means then we are members of the church, partaking of the way. And Jesus says he is the truth. And we live in a world that tells us, well, your truth is your truth, and my truth is my truth, and those truths can be conflicting. In the end, truth cannot conflict with each other. There cannot be two separate truths that contradictory to each other. Oh, there's no absolute truth, says the one who absolutely. You ever catch that? There's absolutely no truth. And they say it with absolute truth. Well, that's contradictory, self-contradictory. There is an absolute truth. And sometimes what, what your truth might be or my truth might be might be just the fact that doesn't take into consideration the fullness of the truth. I use the example, and it actually happened one day. I was talking about conflict in, in, with a marriage couple, a marriage prep couple, and we were talking about the, how sometimes facts contradict each other, but the truth is always bigger. And I looked out, and it was a beautiful sunset in the West, absolutely gorgeous. And I also looked out and noticed it was raining. How can that be? Well, if we say that my fact is a truth that is raining out, therefore it cannot be sunny, or I say my fact is it's sunny out, therefore it cannot be raining, that seems like truth is contradictory. But the deeper truth and the truth of the truth is that there was cloudburst right overhead. Couldn't see the cloud, but it was raining. But in the West, it was absolutely gorgeous. We always need to look deeper. And when we look deeper, we find that all truth is summed up in God. That there is only the truth and nothing but the truth. And Jesus Christ says he is the life. If we want eternal life, it's only through him that no other way, no other religion can offer us eternal life. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. These are radical words because what he's saying and, and elsewhere in this passage and elsewhere in the scriptures, especially the Gospel of St. John, he tells us that he is God. That I am in the Father and the Father is in me. That if you see me, you see the Father. From now on, you see the Father because you see me. These are radical words. And C.S. Lewis put it, put it best in this trilemma. Maybe you've heard this. That Jesus Christ is either a lunatic or he's a liar or he is who he says he is, Lord. Either he's a lunatic 
that what he's seen is, is completely false, but he doesn't know it. And so he is deceived, and in his deception, he deceives everyone else. That doesn't make sense. Or maybe he's a liar, that he knows what he's saying is not true, but he's saying it all the same, but he's deceiving everyone else by this lack of truth. Or maybe, just maybe, he is who he says he is, and he is Lord. I put my stock on he is Lord. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't die for a lunatic. I would not die for a liar. A lunatic's madness is usually shown sometime, somewhere along the way. After 2,000 years, I think the lunatic's madness would certainly be shown. A liar is shown to be a lie when things fall apart. 2,000 years, instead of seeing the faith fall apart, we've seen it grow together. That we've come down to understanding who Jesus Christ truly is for us that he is Lord. I think it was Chesterton that said, either Christ is of absolute importance or he is of no importance. The only thing Jesus Christ cannot be is of somewhat importance. Jesus Christ and our faith in Jesus Christ is essential. Jesus Christ is asking us then, if it is essential, then he's asking us to do what the apostles did to recognize what our essential role is in the church and to do it. It might be to serve the hungry. It might be to serve the sick. It might be to pray. It might be to proclaim the truth. It might be to as simple as raising a family. As I say that, I'm reminded today is Mother's Day. How important it is for mothers to remember their task, their beautiful task of bringing life into this world and preparing them for eternity. As we gather this day, let us remember that we are called to be essential. As Catholics, we proclaim the essential truth of Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life.